Throughout the Giro d'Italia, Whoop is partnering with EF Education First EasyPost and VLON to bring you a behind-the-scenes look at what it takes physiologically to race a Grand Tour. Whoop is providing live heart rate data during the race and recovering and sleep data after the stages. Whoop isn't just for the pros, though. Whether you're an avid cyclist or just getting started, Whoop helps you better understand your body. And it's not just another fitness tracker. It measures loads of metrics and vital signs, including heart rate variability, resting heart rate, daily activity, and a full breakdown of your sleep. Whoop takes all that data and provides you with personalized recommendations and feedback so you can accomplish your goals. Know when you should go big and when you should go for a light spin with Whoop. Whoop just released its all-new 4.0. It's even smaller and smarter, designed with new biometric tracking, including skin temperature, blood oxygen, and more. Go to whoop.com, that's W-H-O-O-P.com, and enter code VELONEWS at checkout to save 15% off today. Hey, everybody, welcome back to the VELONEWS podcast. I'm your host, Ben Delaney, here with the one and the only Ashton Lambie, and by here, I mean in the western slope of Colorado at the High Lonesome Ranch, home of Wild Horse Gravel. Ashton, great to see you, sir. How are you? I'm great, man. It's great to be here. We're here. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I did an in-person podcast. This is yeah. sick. It's a novel thing, but it's, it's it good is. to do it this way. Yeah. I like it. So, listeners, the High Lonesome Ranch is uh, just northeast of a giant metropolis called Debec. Population, maybe 500 people or so. So, it's, it's a good 10 miles from a paved road. There's lots of different ways to do gravel racing. Uh, wild horse gravel is one of the two outside events gravel, which is our, our house brand, formerly Roll Massif. Uh, and yeah, we like to do things a little different out here on on the western slope. It's it's chunkier. It's it's wilder. It's not uh, yeah. all day, twelve hour, fourteen hour, sixteen hour event. You know, we like to make things hard, but like not kill you. Want you to. Come yeah. back and do it again. So it's you know sixty five miles, about f- you know five thousand plus feet of climbing. I'll turn off my phone so it'll stop dinging like that. Yeah, finishing times were just under four hours. What was your take on that length? I really like that length. I I love you know I love long events like super long events. I do think at some point they become a little bit of a race of attrition, and I think it raises the barrier to entry. Um, and I think, I think there's a place for that. You know, like there is something epic about going out and riding 200 miles. Like there's something epic about going out and running an ultra marathon, but yes. there's a reason more people run marathons or five K's than like, you know, the lead, the Leadville 100 running race. Like that's a thing, <laughs> right? but it's not, you don't get the thousands of people that you do for a marathon. And so I think, I think cycling still hasn't found like it's sort of like 5k really accessible event, but mm. I think this, I think the 100k gravel format is pretty accessible because mm-hmm. it's like for, for racers, it fits in with the rest of the schedule. Like whatever other races you're doing, they're probably not going to be 12 hours or 10 hours. They're probably going to be closer, like a standard road race, uh, you know, it's probably going to be like three to five hours. And so I think if you can have an event that, um, you know, most people can finish in under eight hours, six hours, I don't know what the cutoff is, but I feel like there were quite a few people rolling around, you know, four or five hours. Mm -hmm. And that's like, 
that's a good fun event. And mm-hmm. I think you guys also did a great job. I don't know what I was expecting for the course, but it was definitely like more variety and wilder than I was expecting. Yeah, it's it's hard to explain in words, even to like some of my friends from Boulder, like my friend and colleague Jamie was asking, like, so how technical is it? Like, well, like, how many licks does it take to get to the center of the Tootsie Pop? I would and say so overall, like, it's pretty technical. Yeah, yeah, it is. And for like, a gravel race, it's technical. Yeah, and the, like, yeah. the way I explained it, was like, you can modulate how technical it is by your speed, for sure. Know, particularly on the downhills, yeah. you know, if it's feeling too sketchy, you just like run the brakes a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely on the on the chunkier side of things. We saw lots of flat tires today. Yeah, lots of drop chains. You know, Tony broke a wheel. Sorry, Tony, but Ooh. managed to keep it. Upright, and you talk about races being a lot of races of attrition, and yeah, some of it's that. It's yeah, for sure. The fitness comes off, the skill set comes off, and sometimes the bike parts <laughs> yeah, come off. For sure, or, that's all part of it. By. Absolutely, yeah it's, yeah, it's part of the game. Let's talk bikes. You've yeah. got a sweet world champion stripe lauf. Yeah, for for those of you who don't know, if you've been living under a rock for a long time, uh, Ashton is of course the world champion in the individual pursuit. I was parading around today in a t-shirt that says sub four club. Yep. As a very small club. I don't know if it even counts as a club <laughs> if there's like only one dude in the club, but the one man on earth to go four kilometers in the individual pursuit in under four minutes. So that is the, uh, that discipline where you won also a world championship separate event uh, is the reason for the world champion stripes on the Lauf bike. The gravel worlds has not yet been held. No, uh, so we sh- we shall see who will be wearing the the gravel world champion stripes. But yeah, tell us about your bike and uh, how to go out there today well, on that machine. Yeah, the other exciting thing is that this is a brand new Lauf. So it's been the same bike, the True Grit, for since we started making frames two or three years ago. Okay, it's been a bit because they made the fork first, yes. and then they started making frames. Yes. Um, and then just came out with a new bike called the Sekla, which is Icelandic for perseverance, something like that. Like Apropos. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, this was, I've had it for a few weeks now. Um, and I've been riding it a lot around Houston, where we live. Um, not a ton of gravel around there, but I've been taking it on, you know, some easy mountain bike trails and just getting rowdy with it where I can and getting everything dialed in. So this was really like the first... I would say like big true gravel adventure with it. Um, I've got, I'm a big fan of having one bike and like a couple wheel sets for mm-hmm. different things. So this was probably right now I've got it with like probably the beefier wheel set, which is the zip one Oh ones and Vittoria Torino dries 2.25s. So it's a full like 29 or tire yeah. and this bike will oh, clear yeah. it, which is like, by and large, that's the main difference between the True Grit and the Sekla is just bigger tire clearance. Yes. And the frame has a little bit more compliance in the back too, but the fork technology is still the same. So yeah, st- still that uh, that I- iconic leaf spring. Yep. Burke Swindlehurst, when he, maybe not when he launched uh, his Crusher and the Tusher, but for a few years, a few iterations, he had a, a line that I love, which is like, whichever bike you pick for his event, at some point it's going to be the wrong one. Like, you know, for the sure. uphill, you want a light bike. Yeah. For the downhills, you probably want a, a you know, full suspension mount bike. And yep. 
And that's one of the things I love about gravel is just just looking around at the start line or at the expo when people are registering and just seeing this the huge variety of tons. You know, the roadies are there with the, the skin suits on, the aero helmets, and going as light and skinny as possible, yep. and maybe stopping to change forty seven flats. And then right. some people are balling on fat bikes with like a little whiskey hanger, like a like a uh, water bottle cage, but like made for their yep yep yeah you know, their whiskey flask yeah. and and everything in between. So. Yeah, it's fun. I mean. There's all sorts of variety and there's so many ways to get after it. Like, I mean, just like what you said, you know, if you run the lightest, skinniest stuff, like you do increase your risk of breaking something. And like that risk is pretty substantial. Yeah. Um, you know, if you break a wheel, that's game over. Like if you get a flat, it's it's doable. You know, you can plug it, you can put a tube in, you can, that's not usually catastrophic, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's always a balancing act, you know? Yeah, so speaking of balancing act, and, and we spoke about this a bit last night. We did a, a fireside chat for some of the other riders here at Wild Horse Gravel. Yeah, but one thing, I, there's a lot of fascinating things for me about you, and and, <laughs> and reasonable. And, yeah, and and one is like the the juxtaposition of the utmost focus and the control of so many variables that it would, that it takes for track racing, um, and con- and knowing okay, here's the game. And here's what we're trying to optimize for, you know, crank mm-hmm. length, skin suit seams, like all these things where you know, okay, this is what success looks like. And we're going to fine tune and fine tune and whittle down and work our asses off to hit these very specific targets. Yeah. That's one thing. And, and maybe it's simple minded of me to think of like, well, that's like a personality type or like a, a mindset, but like that's, that's one thing. It's one that's you know, like set of goals and type of focus. And then there's the wild west of gravel where, you know, even if you are trying to optimize for a particular day, like I was saying with like Berks race, there's so many different things of like what good looks like. Um, so I and can- And part and, of that's defined by the rider. Like, you know, it's different for everyone, but yeah. yeah. So is that, is that something that, that you focus on? Is that, is that the same- mentality that you bring to to gravel that you did for track or is it just like a whole different thing like track is all business and and gravel is a fun thing so you just try different things or like what's what's your mindset what you're thinking of i of think choosing gear? i think there are similarities where like the goal of track is pretty it's very cut and dry right it's like just you against the clock and so everything every decision you make is really to like reduce that time and when you look at it through that lens, it becomes pretty simple. Like there is a lot of, like everything is quite cut and dry. It's like, oh, well, is this skin suit faster? Easy, easy question to answer, especially when you look at it like, oh, well, does it help me cross the line faster? Um, I remember when I started looking at Team Pursuit like that, it was like every decision, it's like, well, what what gets three guys across the line the fastest? Like, Nothing else matters. Just that. That's the goal. That's what we're doing. And so, I mean, I I look at gravel and it's like, you know, the goal is not that clear cut, right? Because it is different for everybody. It's not like, oh, my goal. I mean, I think if you if you show up and your goal is like, I want to win today, like, ah, that's a goal that's really out of your control, you know? Like, uh, you can say like, I want to have a strong ride today. I want to eat better. I want to corner better. I want to stop and enjoy the views at least twice. Like there's, you know, 
those goals are all going to be different. And that does take a little bit of thought to like figure out what those goals are and like how, how cycling looks different for me now, which is good and bad and exciting. And, you know, I'm still figuring out cause like my goal is going to be different for every race, you know, like my goal for this was I flew up on Friday and like kind of testing out like, okay, how does my body do at altitude with 12 hours of acclimation? Yeah. Um, and so we're here just, you know, 6,000 ish. Yeah. Feet. Yeah. Houston is six. Negative feet. 10. <laughs> it's underwater. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's yeah. And it's super flat. And so it's kind of like, you know, I would say my goal was really kind of to test that and to have fun. And so when your goal is like to have fun in an event, that's a pretty nebulous, like subjective goal, you know? Sure. And so, yeah, it's, it's hard to quantify, but, uh, part of, part of the fun for me is also figuring out what that looks like and like what that process is. And that's fun. Yeah. 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 And it's fun to see like, e even within an individual event, how that can change multiple times. Uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, our friend, Karen Garchow, uh, Gar, I've been saying her name wrong you're, for like you're close. 20 years. She's yeah. like, it's like Darko. Jarco, sorry, I've been calling her Gar Chow. Anyhow, <laughs> Karen, been a bike racer for years and years, and, and fun looks like going fast, being at the front. And her bike kept going sideways on her today. And so her goal of like, okay, what does success look like? Well, let's stop and enjoy talking with other people, helping some young Absolutely. riders come off this yeah. steep descent. Like there was a young girl on in tennis shoes and flats that was uh, concerned about the downhill, understandably so. And so that success yeah. looks like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to help mentor this girl. I and love that. That's yeah, awesome. This, yeah. It was yeah. super cool. And I, I agree with you. It can change in the event. Cause that was kind of what happened for me today. I was like in the, the main group off the front, like kind of, you know, punching it out with like some of the other mountain bike guys that are like locals or, you know, from Denver, Boulder area. And I remember like looking down at, a little gap that had opened and I was doing like I have four or 500 Watts up this climb. And I was like, I'm not having fun. And I was like, <laughs> great. <laughs> Boop. I'm uh, out. Like, uh, and I was like, Oh, Oh wow. Look at these mountains. This is great. I'm having way more fun now. Uh -huh. But being aware of that and making that my goal of like, I want to have fun and kind of checking in and being like, am I having fun? You know, that like kind of helps keep, keep that goal in mind. Yeah. Okay. And it can present itself in different situations too, you know, like, would it be fun to stop at this aid station or would it be fun to keep rolling? Like, I'll keep rolling. I kind of want to keep feeling good. I'm still having fun. Yeah. So talk to us about the lifetime grand prix, which is, you know, this, the six race series, Yeah. three gravel races, three mountain bike races, all owned by lifetime. Mm -hmm. Uh, First one was the Sea Otter Fuego 80K uh, mountain bike race. Yeah. Uh, your first ever. My first mountain ever mountain bike bicycle race. race. Yeah. Yeah. On a, a brand new Affinity Cycles. We just put up a, a fun piece that yeah. you helped out with. Thanks for that. On you know, talking about the process of building up a- Building a mountain bike. Yeah. A yeah. titanium bike by a track company, basically. Never done a mountain bike. Yeah. You've never done a mountain bike race. Seemed like a good good fit. Yeah. Um, yeah. What was that experience like? If you know, again, back being a very experienced racer, raced all over the world, having things dialed and kicking ass. And then and starting then something coming totally into something new. Yeah. Like yeah. being uh, 
I don't want to say a Fred, but like being like the new, yeah, the new no, guy. Like, beginner. Where do I sit in the classroom? And like, who's like, what, how does it all work? And I remember messaging Pete Stetna as I was building the bike up and I was like, is it like, is it like the mountain bike equivalent of leaving the dork disc on if I <laughs> leave the crank boots on? And he was like, yeah. And I was like, great, they're coming off, man. So, I mean, yeah, it's like learning stuff like that, you know? Um, but again, I, I think that was another race for me where it was like, okay, I know it's two laps. Like my goal is again, to have fun and also to try to like improve things and feel like I'm improving in between each lap. And it was one of those where like, I was so new, I didn't even know what I don't know. And so it was like, I don't know what I need to focus on improving, but like, I'm sure I'll, I hope I'll figure it out. Um, and so, I mean, yeah, I went into that weekend and probably like did a little bit longer pre-ride than I needed to. Um, but that was like me seeking that mountain bike experience and on such a primo course with like some incredible riders, like I got to go do the pre-ride with Pete and we ended up just randomly meeting up with, uh, Ted and Alex and Lachlan. And I was like, Oh my God, like we're all just riding mountain bikes together. This is badass, dude. I love this. Um, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was a really, it was an incredible experience. I mean, for me to get to do that as my first mountain bike race, like I feel super lucky. It's great. And so what's, what's the prep now with, you know, the other two mountain bike races, you've got Leadville, the famous Leadville at yeah. 10,000 feet, Leadville, Colorado, hundred yeah. miles. Yeah. Um, and, and Schwamigan. And then Schwamigan, uh, a whole other kettle of fish, which is, yeah, 40 mile race. And it seems like that's, I, I have not done that one myself, but that's that seems like that would be, I don't want to say more approachable, but maybe not quite as intimidating, not, not quite as a complex a, a riddle as, as Leadville. So what's... Yeah, I think I think what's so. What's the prep for those? Yeah, I mean, I've been taking the bike and exploring some of the mountain bike trails around Houston, honestly, mm -hmm. um, which has been a blast. Like there's actually some pretty incredible mountain biking down there. Um, built stuff... Uh, like, you know, they build out like wooden features and bridges and skinnies and stuff. Uh -huh. um, they have a lot of like, because it's the South, they call them bayous, but they're just like creeks that go uh -huh. through the town. <laughs> uh -huh. And so they'll build, you know, miles and miles of trails right next to those creeks, which is awesome. Um, so I've been, you know, trying to get some of those rides in when I can. Um, that's something me and Christina really like doing together and always have a good time. There's trails like that we can ride to from our house, which is great. Uh -huh. Um and then, yeah, I mean... You mentioned Christina, just for our listeners, that's your partner, Dr. Yes. Christina Birch. Yes. Uh, also uh, exceptional track athlete. Incredible and also cyclist, just yeah. happens to be a NASA astronaut in training yeah. right now. So, so Sorry to interject. No, that's okay. It's yeah, worth, yeah. worth mentioning. She's way cooler than I am, <laughs> dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's something we really like, in, like doing together. You know, we went and did the... Uh, uh, we did like a training camp. She had a and little bit of break from work. And so we Bentonville, went to Bentonville. Yeah. Yes, yes. It was awesome, dude. So, I mean, yeah, hopefully we get back to Bentonville. Um, it's a fun thing to be able to like travel and go do because it is kind of like a destination thing where, you know, maybe we drive out to somewhere more rural in Texas and find some mountain bike trails. Uh -huh. I mean, it's tough to beat Bentonville, but, um, you know, we live close to a major airport, so it's easy to travel. Uh -huh. Um but yeah, that's that's like most most of our prep for that. I think doing a little bit more course recon for Schwamigan is pretty high up on my list because I just don't know anything about that race. Yeah, probably watch some YouTube videos. Okay, 
I got to meet uh, Dave Weens today. Yeah. Which is like, I thought that was crazy. He's like, a I've, legend. He is a legend. I've heard of, I've heard of him. And I've never met him in person. Mm-hmm. So I chatted with him, you know, initially I was, I was pretty sold on riding the Sekla with basically the setup it is now for Leadville. Okay. Um, after okay. talking to the Lauf guys and yeah. like, I just, maybe I'm just a real roadie, but like, I just really like the feel of drop bars. I find uh-huh. flat bars to not be the most comfortable. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. I mean, if you've spent like how many tens of thousands of hours yeah. in those positions. It's comfortable. I like yeah. I like drop bars. Yeah. So and so what, what did uh, Dr. Weens have to say? He said go mountain bike, dude. Yeah. He was like, <laughs> I would never ride it on a on a gravel bike. And I was like, Yeah. Oh, that carries a lot of weight, man. So I don't know. Maybe that might be some more like watching some YouTube videos, trying to get a feel for the course. Um I'm excited to I'm really excited to do that one because working in Sunflower for years, um you know, and in the bike industry, I feel like you hear a lot of people just talk about it. It's like, oh, the power line climb, the Columbine climb. And I'm right. like, I don't know what any of those are. <laughs> Man, I'm excited to yeah. check them out. Yeah. Sunflower being the bike, the bike shop, shop there. Yeah. Lawrence, Dan Kansas, Hughes, yeah. Bike shop. Yeah. And so he's got his own, you know, basically museum there. It's a lot of cool, cool yeah. bikes on, hanging on the walls there. How about the balance between uh, results and having fun? You know, I uh, riding bikes is fun for sure, and and I think it's there's a lot of positive development with you know this new wave of gravel pros or yeah gravelers or privateers yeah, like whatever, whatever you want to call yeah, it. words you want to throw out there. Um, and there are people making a living doing that. How much pressure is there to still get results? You know, because, you know, right now, a lot Reasonable. of the big, the big names that we follow, um, yes, follow they're, because they're, they're, they have results. Yeah. And they're fun, yeah. engaging people like yourself. Yeah. And they're people who can go really effing fast on a bike. And that's why we know who they are. For sure. Um, so like with, with a sponsor like Lauf is how much is, is uh, that part of the, the equation is it is it the type yeah. of thing that like once you've got a name for yourself then hey world's your oyster you tell us what you want to do and we'll we'll just keep it rolling or is it okay yeah have fun but please want to race every now and again just to to keep the the brand at the at the yeah, front of the pack it's a it's a tricky balance um I feel really lucky that's something I've been very protective of and like very like upfront about is like I don't want to have any amount of like cash based on podium bonuses. Like Mm -hmm. that's not something I want the pressure of with a sponsor. And that's also not really the kind of sponsor I want to work with because like most, most people that show up to gravel races aren't racing. Like they have their own goals other than finishing on top of the podium. And so I think if I can, like my goal in cycling has always been to like inspire more people to try stuff that, as maybe a little bit scary or out of their comfort zone and like they find difficult or challenging or just to get on a bike. And for 99% of people to get on bikes, that's not getting on a podium. And, you know, for me for a while, like this is my first season back on gravel. It's probably not going to be me getting on a podium. Like, I don't think I'm going to get a top 10 at the Grand Prix or pretty much any race this year. Like, I've been doing four minute stuff for years, like, you know, (laughs) Uh Um, but I think showing up to the lifetime grand prix and like 
supporting that where there's, there's also a time, it's also a really unique time for gravel when there's the UCI coming and trying to like, you know, swing around and get into the gravel scene a little bit. Um, and that's also something I feel really passionately about. So I think in in which direction, like what's, what's your uh, take? I do not want the UCI to get into gravel. Okay. Um, I think Lifetime is doing a fantastic job of getting input from athlete, not just the athletes that are in the program, but also like if we talk to people that wanted to get in the Grand Prix and didn't get in or just like watching the Grand Prix or don't like watching the Grand Prix, like everyone I've talked to at Lifetime has been super open to feedback as far as like what the Grand Prix format looks like going forward. And what I don't want to see is a World Cup format where it's like, oh, well, Ben, you haven't done any UCI C2 races and you don't have enough points, so you don't get to go race unbound. That sucks, man. Like, I've done that. (laughs) And like, it's a big hurdle to get into that circuit. And then once you're in it, it's just like this exclusive club that, you know, no one else gets to get to. And that is, to me, the like the exact opposite of what I think most people want gravel to be because that's what makes gravel really special is like everyone shows up with a goal and we all try to like help each other get that goal. Whether you're racing for the podium, whether you're trying to learn how to descend better, whether you're trying to beat the sun at unbound, whether you're just out here for the views, like none of that's wrong. But if it's strictly a competitive format that pushes other non-UCI level riders out. That's something I don't want to see happen. Mm-hmm. I feel like I got off on a little tangent there, but No, that's no, that's good. I mean, it's uh, there's there's only a handful of people who have done high-level UCI. Well, there's increasingly number more high-level UCI racing that are doing gravel racing. Um it, and I think if Erwin Verveken were here, the, you know, multi-time former world cyclocross champion who's now running the you know uci's gravel push and um you know he would say well hold on a second like we're not trying to make it let's do it yeah world cup racing um we're trying to make it similar to what we've been doing with grand fonda we the uci have been yeah, doing with grand fonda I've also heard that for 10 years right which yeah it's a series of things and there's the pomp and circumstance of having you know uci fanfare around it and it's international, mostly, you know, European based, but international. And if you do, you know, it's a business, right? If you do a certain number of these, then you qu- qualify air quotes to do the, uh, you know, World grand Fonda world championships, yeah. but it's a participatory thing. It's like fundamentally a participatory thing, not a, uh, you know, elite athlete, uh, qualifier thing, you know, could that pivot and become a, like the world cup format? Yeah, perhaps. But I think, you know, right now I think you say is just seeing, gravel as the groundswell of, hey, lots of people are doing this. This is fun. People are paying lots of money to do it. Let's, let's us, the UCI, get What are you bringing to the table, man? What are you adding? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and the first, um, you know, dozen or so events in the UCI World Series were almost all head scratchers to me, which I have Hmm. kind of two, two thoughts about. One of seeing these things like the first one up is Manila gravel. I'm like, what the heck's Manila gravel? Like, I get Manila in, Manila. in, in Philippines. And like, yeah. In one hand, that's yeah. I saw cool. that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so one part of me is like, that's cool, taking it to different places, doing different things. And part of it is like, well, if it's a prestigious thing, shouldn't it be like the bigger events? 
And then like, well, now wait, now am I falling into that rabbit hole of like, it's just gravelous, prestigious racing. And it's like, right. Because isn't it supposed to be like, it's a every man, every woman thing, wherever it is. So, and that's what makes gravel unique. You know, if you're a pro, you go to the road race world championships. And if you're an amateur, you go to the grand Fondo world championships. Yeah. And like, those are two totally different things. (laughs) And that is not what gravel is. I I feel like that's not what gravel is. That's the beauty of it is like, you can go line up with any any pro that happens to show up at any random event. Yeah. What do you think about some of these, like the Unbound, I think case in, you know, the biggest case in point, anybody can show up on the line and anybody can be racing Mock Schnell into the first technical section fighting for position. Um it's a highly competitive thing. You know, it's not world yeah. tour level, but like as far as like being aggressive, trying to get position, like it's sure it's kind it of be dangerous. crazy and hectic. Yeah. Like it is gravel too serious in some ways. Like this thing that purports to be super fun and super, anybody can do it. Is it, uh, is it stepped over its own line of, uh, I don't think so because I think at any point, if you want to opt out of that, you can. You can just be like, oh, I don't want to do this. I'm going to sit up and just like cruise. And by, by opt out of it, you mean like not just not show up to the to the event, but be like, I'm not going to f- fight tooth and nail yeah. to be in the first. I'm just going to soft pedal for two minutes and right. then ride it at my own pace. Right. Yeah. And the way that plays out for the person that decides not to is either like, hey, you come in and you try to do sketchy shit, play a stupid game, win a stupid prize. You crash, <laughs> dude. Sorry. <laughs> or you're like, yeah. you know. Oh, wow. This guy's an incredible bike handler. Like Chris Blevins does a wheelie down a dirt chute that I walked down and like, <laughs> yeah, he gets away with it, man. Cause he's awesome. Uh-huh. Like, you know, that, that's how it goes. Yeah. 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 Fair point. I think to fair some point. extent it, it does sort itself out, you know, cause there have been, there have been certain, like I would say players or teams in the gravel scene that have like done stuff that people were like, Hey, you guys are kind of being dickheads. And then it's like, Oh, well, yeah, that doesn't work out very well if everyone in the Peloton thinks you're a dickhead. Which is, I mean, being like the a rider-driven culture is is difficult. And it's it's something I think is really special about gravel versus like a top-down driven culture where the riders have no say in it. Yes. And that's something I really value. Yeah. How much do you think things should be codified by races through rider input? versus this you know so-called spirit of gravel where where we the riders yeah. have kind of agree like this is what it is but there's like no actual enforcement what do you are you thinking of some because i mean there's a lot of different things you can codify like do i think the, the gravel surfaces that you're allowed to be on should be codified no dude send it whatever you want and if it's too crazy people won't show up or people will bring mountain bikes like whatever you want to do you know um I think racing the cobbler was like a great example of why none of that stuff should be codified. Like you want to put a ball pit in the middle of the course, like do it, man, <laughs> more power to you. And yeah. that's part of the thing. Yeah. Do I think like, like drug testing needs to be codified? Yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. Like if, especially if money is on the line. That is one thing it, it, I think the Grand Prix is doing really well. I don't know exactly the specifics of what, like if they have out of competition testing or, um, just in comp or just podium or like random finishers, but mm-hmm. 
I mean, just the fact that they're doing it, I think that's important. Because mm-hmm. as more money keeps flowing into the sport, you know, cheating is right behind. And that's a pretty easy, non-visual way of cheating, especially mm-hmm. if no one's checking for it. Yeah, for sure. Arrow bars, to, to arrow bar or to, not to arrow bar? What, what is the actual Personal preference, be? I'd say. What is your personal preference as, as someone who has yeah. spent, spent time? In um, arrow bars. Uh, yeah. Um, so, like when you when you won Unbound 100, for instance, I should know this, but I don't. Do you recall your bicycle setup? You don't your, think I had arrow floor, bars? Like, I don't like, remember. Yeah. I don't remember. Honestly, <laughs> was that you? Was that somebody else? No, it wasn't you me. Were there. Yeah, yeah, I was there. Um, I don't think I did. I'm trying to remember the like. I can remember the the finishing photo in my mind, and it was like I was on my speed wagon, and I had just because of random stuff I had around. I had one handlebar wrapped in neon yellow tape. <laughs> just one. But I don't, just one, yeah. <laughs> I don't think I had arrow bars on. Okay. Yeah. How about this year? No arrow bars this year. Okay. Why is that? I feel like I spent enough time in a man. I kind of want to break, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Was that the you know, fun, no fun looking at the yeah, that question? That was, right? <laughs> yeah, that was a decision. It was like, and same with, um, I've changed my bar width. Like I used to, you know, ride 36s and now I'm up to a normal 40 and okay. it's comfortable <laughs> and it's more fun. Yeah. Well, it's been very fun having you here at Wild Horse Gravel. And, Dude, uh, thanks for having me. This has been such a blast. Having, having you on the podcast. So thanks, yeah, thanks for thank doing you. both. Thanks, man. Best of luck to you. Look forward to seeing you down the road. Yeah, me too. Well, I'm sure we'll keep running into each other. I know. And thank you, listeners, for for joining in. Uh, We will be back next week. In the meantime, have a fantastic weekend. And thank you, as always, for listening to the Bell News Podcast.